In this episode of the podcast, I drive from London to Liverpool and back, hopefully, in an electric vehicle that isn't a car. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth and I'm not driving a car. I'm driving a van, an electric van. It is a Maxus E-Deliver 3. Now, I don't know if you've ever spotted Maxus vehicles driving around, but there's quite a good story as to who Maxus are. You may have spotted the logo. Look out for vans that look like the Ford Transit, but they're not the Ford Transit. Look out for a logo that looks a bit like the Ford Oval, but with the outline of a B2 Spirit bomber in it. It's a bit Star Trek. I have to say, the logo of Maxus vehicles, you could see that being worn on the chest of someone who works for Starfleet. You know, next generation communicator pin. But who are Maxus? Well, some of you will already know. But the story goes way, 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 way back and starts with Austin Morris. Austin and Morris used to make vans way back in the 50s and 60s, before then, in fact. And then Austin Morris became BMC. BMC became British Leyland. British Leyland became... Rover Group and then when the Phoenix Consortium got hold of them they messed the whole thing up didn't they and then what was Rover Group which included Freight Rover I think which was a subsidiary of Land Rover for a while I think that was shipped off to Ford wasn't it and the rest of the company was broken up and the van division was actually acquired well the whole deal was for SAIC to buy Rover Group the Chinese concern but that fell through and eventually what was left of the British motor industry was bought by Nanjing Automotive and then a few years ago Nanjing Automotive merged with SAIC now in the meantime, Freight Rover had been sold to Gaz, not me, not Gaz Top of the 80s, but to Gaz, which I think stood for something like Garozny Automibli Zavodnya, or something like that. It's a Russian term for a Russian company who made vans, again, rather like the Transit. And they introduced the brand Maxus to the palette of vehicles that we see and then when SAIC took hold of Maxus in the UK which I think was about 2011 they kept the name and it became SAIC Maxus and now they sell commercial vehicles under the brand Maxus SAIC, of course, 
own MG and Rower, not Rover, Rower, R-O-W-E, as I think I mentioned before when I was reviewing the MG4. And there are two reasons why I'm driving this vehicle. Number one, it suddenly became clear to me when I drove the MG4 that Chinese EVs are pretty handy. You know, that MG4 looks great, works great, and most importantly, was incredible value. And value is very, very important if you run a light commercial vehicle, a panel van, which this machine is because that's where all your profit comes from, right? You can't throw your profit into an expensive vehicle and a vehicle with expensive running costs. That's the profit that you make from your business. And this is a business tool, this vehicle. And the second reason that I'm driving it is I suddenly had a need for a van. Number two son, Indigo, Indy, he's in Liverpool studying mathematics and being a student, every 12 months he has to move flat so i thought okay let's see if i can get from london to liverpool in an electric van and then i can help indy move so i get an episode of the podcast make myself useful in the family hey what's not to like two reasons to do something do it three reasons to do it why haven't you done it already right so i've got two reasons to do this so I had to track down the PR people for Maxis who were immensely helpful and said that they would provide me with a vehicle for review. It came from a company called HTC Vans who are based in Thamesmead. Now Thamesmead for us Londoners is a sort of a hinterland. It's somewhere between London and Essex but not quite. It's on the Thames. So I had to trek over there yesterday and that itself was a hell of a journey the new elizabeth line the fantastic elizabeth line wasn't fantastic the second time i've attempted to travel on the elizabeth line now and it wasn't working the whole thing was shut down initially they said it was because of an object on the track then they said oh no it was signal failure so which was it or was it both so I ended up taking my bike with me on the DLR, the Docklands Light Railway. There's an autonomous electric transport system for you. And I got a bit lost. Roundabout XL, City Airport. I got on the wrong branch, so I had to backtrack. Eventually got to Woolwich and was having to wait 40 minutes for a train. So as I had my bike with me, I decided to ride my bike along the Thames Path where it was quite a wide estuary and cycle to Thamesmead where I picked up a fully charged van. On the plus side, it was silver. So I wasn't white van man. I was slightly concerned that I was gonna be white van man. Nothing wrong with white van man, but of course I wrote a song for Gareth Jones on Speed many, many years ago called White Van Man. It wasn't wholly in praise of the white van man actually i might even play bits of that song in this program it's been so long it's probably worth playing again my favorite line in the song he likes footy and a bit of kicking <laughs> i was painting out white van man as being a bit of a 
violence of uneducated type. But here's the thing, right? You know the um, uh, what's it called? The Red Star, the anthem of the socialist worker. Well, it was rewritten many, many years ago, perhaps when I was still in sixth form. And there's a line in that, or a couplet in that song, which goes, the cloth cap and the working class, as images are dated, for we are workers avant-garde, and we've been educated. Yes, the proletariats are educated now, which means white van man needs an electric car if he's educated to the way that the world works. I say electric car, I mean an electric van. And there are plenty of electric vans around at the moment. A great number of manufacturers make them. Oh dear, I just passed a nasty crash where a DAF truck seems to have spun round an old Ford Fiesta. I'm on the M1, by the way, heading north. You can probably just hear over the wind noise the space ghost sound that this vehicle makes. And of all the EVs I've ever driven, this one has the loudest space ghost sound. And I think it stops around about 30 miles per hour or the wind noise takes over at that point. So yeah, I am an educated white van man well, it's a silver van. I'm silver van man. I dream silver dream machine. Do you remember that David Essex song? It's about a motorbike, I think, wasn't it? I don't think it was about an electric motorbike. I may be wrong. So yeah, I'm heading north in a vehicle that might not be entirely suited to the journey I'm asking it to make. When I picked it up, I was told it was fully charged and the vehicle had 124 miles range showing. Mm. Now that's slightly less than I thought it was going to be. I thought the range was 140 to 170 miles, which is why I chose it for this trip, because the distance from my home in London to where Indy is in Liverpool is about 210 miles. So I thought, yeah, I can get this, do a bit of a rapid charge en route, and I'll be there with one charge, with charge to spare. However, when I got home last night, the 16, 20 miles or something it is from Thamesmead to my house, meant that I now had a car that wasn't fully charged. So I coupled it up to the cable, the 13 amp, two kilowatt perhaps, charge that you get from a standard 240 volt plug I put it on for a few hours and I went back to the car and it didn't seem to have made any difference to the charge level in the car I thought okay I'll go to one of the uh, what's it called uni something or other charging points there are street lamps which have been converted into charging points on a street adjacent to mine ubitricity that's what they're called ubitricity and I've used it before to charge the MG4. I charged the Kia EV6 on it very successfully. So I thought, oh, I'll stick it on charge there overnight, which I did. And it started charging and I went to bed. And then I woke up this morning 
and I don't think it's put any distance in the car. I don't know why. I had a green lamp on the charger showing, or the street lamp, actually, that's all it is, showing that the vehicle was charging. So I set off this morning with only 111 miles, about half of what I need to get to Liverpool. I'm not concerned, however, because as I understand it, this vehicle will charge up to 125 kilowatts. I think it's a 50 kilowatt hour battery, so I should be able to fill that in about half an hour. Yeah, yeah, you go from 20 to 80%, so I'm probably not going to fill it to 100% at all. But, charge and charge, splash and dash, it means I shouldn't have to spend too long in a charging depot, and I am gonna to have to stop every hour or two to go to the loo anyway. So let's see how this goes. Incidentally, just spotting that it was a DAF truck that had caused that Fiesta to spin round. It was pointing the wrong way on the motorway as it was joining round about Junction 8 or thereabouts. But that DAF, that used to be part, ultimately, of Leyland DAF vehicles, LDV. That was one of the names that Austin Morris Vans went through on their journey from Austin Morris to Maxus. They were LDV for a while. That was after Freight Rover, I think, wasn't it? They were sort of split off. It's a very complicated story. Forgive me if I've got parts of it wrong, where different elements of that big old British car and van manufacturing empire was hived off to various companies. But yeah, LDV was a thing. I think it was called LDV Maxus for a little while. But the DAF part, or LDV vehicles, was bought by DAF, the Dutch concern, that is now owned by, I think, an American company called Packar, P-A-C-C-A-R, I think it's spelled. And they own a number of huge truck manufacturing firms. But Maxus is wholly Chinese, and they build all over the place. But I believe this vehicle was built in China, and you can tell. I don't mean that in a bad way, I mean that in an honest way. That MG4, which was another SAIC production, was pretty good really. It felt a little bit tinny compared to Korean and European electric vehicles, but that's what you get your value from, right? You buy a base vehicle, and I suppose if this van was a Ford, I think it might be called the Maxus E-Deliver 3 Popular Plus. It's got a base vehicle, it's got all the basics, it's got Bluetooth, it's got a 7-inch display, but it doesn't have sat-nav. It has Apple CarPlay, but it doesn't have Android Auto. Certainly not in this model that I'm driving. So I can't couple up my phone to the screen on the car for information on range and distance and what have you. So I had to fashion a rudimentary phone mount on the dash and I did it in classic white van man fashion. 
there's a guy coming up on my right hand side here I'm indicating right because the lane is going down all right he's finally realized thank you very much yeah I did it by getting a paper clip wrapping the paper clip around one of the vents one of the air vents and then hanging a ribbon from that paper clip and that ribbon goes down the back of my phone I've got a case in my phone and it goes in between the case of my phone and it's hanging my phone rather elegantly in a perfect position on my dash yeah that works and I've asked it to navigate me to I think an Ionity rapid charger which charges at about 125 kilowatts somewhere around about Northampton so I'm going to run this battery down to about 20% of the vehicle and then charge it up to 80%. That's a smart, rapid way to do that. You know that that's how I've been doing my electric car charging when I'm away from home now and how most people do their electric car charging. Do you remember we learned that trick when we were doing Land's End to John O'Groats and then the faster charger you can get, the more you can take advantage of that splash and dash of 20 to 80% of your battery so I'm in a fairly basic vehicle it does I come down an octave I get very excited don't I I come down an octave it does have cruise control not adaptive cruise control it will just cruise at 60 miles per hour 40 50 whatever you want if you set it and it's a very straightforward three button switch that I've got on the steering wheel it's got electric door mirrors, which you which you kind of need. Because oh, I've just broken my mount for my microphone. That's a bit of a drag. Now wear a Lavalier microphone that you attach to your seatbelt, and unfortunately, I've just snapped the clip. Oh dear. I could probably reassemble it, but I can't reach down into the footwell and find it while I'm driving. But there you go, I'll have to hold it. That's okay. I can hold the microphone. I was talking about the wing mirrors. It's got electric wing mirrors. You don't really need electric wing mirrors for the passenger side. Well, you certainly don't need them for the driver's side. But for the passenger side, I could almost reach it because it's not quite transit van sized this vehicle it's about the size of the is it called the transit connect there's a middle sized transit isn't there there's the transit which is the big long wheelbase high sided panel van there's the transit custom which is the standard sized transit that just used to be called transit in the old days and then there's the transit courier which is the little one, which is based on, I think, a Fiesta or a Focus platform. But the Transit Connect is a dedicated panel van platform, and it's slightly bigger than the Transit Courier. You know, a middle-sized van, a smallish van. And this is a smallish van. It's narrower than a Transit, which is why I can reach the wing mirrors on both sides. And shorter than a Transit, this one is I think 2.5 meters long. So it's a useful size, just the right size for moving your son around Liverpool. And hopefully it's got a battery pack that is good enough to get me to Liverpool with not too much 
charging Voss. Where am I now? It says I've got 83 miles range at the moment. I've done 48 miles, less 20 miles from London. So yeah, it's probably plus or minus 10 miles fairly accurate on its range prediction at the moment. But let's see how it goes. It's a bounty old thing. You know, it's amazing how you get used to all the luxuries of EVs these days. How they're rapid and quiet and well-equipped with lots of in-car entertainment options. This one is a little more rudimentary. It has DAB, of course, a passable DAB. I've been enjoying six music, but I don't seem to be able to stream music from my phone to the vehicle at the moment, which is a bit disappointing. And I think I can couple the vehicle for phone calls, but it doesn't seem to be taking the audio from my Google Maps and my phone, which is telling me I'm 46 miles from my first charging point at the moment. So I've, I've got to keep an eye on that. But I'm liking it. It's easy to drive. It's front-wheel drive. Oh, I'm just passing a Torneo Connect which is more or less the same size. You sit a bit lower. I think this guy sits a bit higher because the battery pack is beneath you like a skateboard between the front and rear wheels. So it's quite a tall little thing. I wish the seat was a little higher than it was. I can't seem to adjust the seat for height. I like to sit quite high up in a van, you know, so you look down on every corner of the vehicle. But I couldn't do that. I've also managed to scrape myself in this vehicle three times found a scrape on my shin a scrape on my finger on my left hand and on my knuckle on my right hand now the finger on my left hand I can explain that was me trying to force my fingers in between the horizontal slats of the vents trying to couple up a rudimentary phone caddy and I scratched it that way and it's quite painful so there are lots of sort of sharp hard edges on this but you know it's a work vehicle. It's not a big, daft, soft, luxury car. It's a functional vehicle. And it is functional. Very easy to operate, although I haven't quite mastered the charging yet. Let's hope I can at the first stop, which is coming up in a little while, but not just yet.
Welcome to Chargeland. I'm sitting in the van in rugby services connected to a GridServe electric highway charger run by Tritium or Tritium. 
and it's doing a good job. I've been here 37 minutes. That was just enough time to connect the vehicle, get it charging, go to the loo, buy a sandwich, eat the sandwich, smoke a fag, and I was going to bail when the van got to 85% charge. And that's just happened right in front of me now, so I might talk for another couple of minutes while it's charging. By the way, at Rugby Services, if you're looking for good chargers, the grid serve system here is good. I think it's charging at, well, it says at 42 kilowatts at the moment. The fastest I saw was 46 kilowatts. There's an average charge thing that says, I think it's that average. It says amount it's put in 29.59, 38 minutes, V360, and A116. And that seems to be going down. It was showing 125. So it's that voltage and amperage. Voltage 360, amperage 116, but it's charging and doing a very good job. I'm going to leave it go up to 90%. Listen, just to check some of my facts earlier on, the story of Maxus goes something like this. Austin Morris, BMC, British Leyland, Rover Group, Freight Rover, that was 81 to 87. The parent was the Land Rover Group. Then DAF bought it. It was Leyland DAF between 87 and 93 and broken up into Leyland Trucks, Albion Automotive, Multipart Solutions and LDV. That was their Washwood Heath plant in Birmingham. It was at that point in 93 that Gaz, which is correctly said, Gorkovsky Avtomobilny Zavod. Gorkovsky Avtomobilny Zavod. Can you tell I'm reading it? Yeah, they introduced the Maxus brand, but they went broke in 2009, blaming the recession and all that. The IP of that firm was then sold to SAIC, and they started trading as SAIC Maxus in 2009 or 2011, depending on where you were. There you go. But the beautiful thing about all this is that SAIC, who own Maxus, they absorbed Nanjing Automotive, who'd bought MG Rover all those years ago. And then when SAIC and Nanjing merged, you've got, you know, the history of Austin Morris and the history of MG Rover all under the same ownership again. That's good, isn't it? That's pretty cool, the way that that's all come together. One final thought on the van before I disconnect the charger and carry on on my journey. It's only a two-seater up front. It's not actually wide enough to accommodate a bench seat on the passenger side. So it's just a two-seater. When I kept saying it was a bit smaller than a Transit, you know what I mean. It was a bit smaller than a Transit Custom. Okay, I'm counting down the kilowatts now. We've got uh, 500 watts now until it's 90%. Oh, bang, there you go, 90%. I'm not going to wait till 100%. There's very little profit in sitting around and topping it up to the nth degree because that takes longer than the earlier charge. So I think I might just bail. Let's see how long it takes to go to 95%. Oh, the joys of charging. By the way, did I say at Rugby there are 12 grid surf chargers here alongside 12 tesla chargers 
and there are loads of testers i can count one two three four five six seven eight at the moment and we've probably got nine other electric cars around me there's a bmw i3 next to me there's a volkswagen id3 and there's a jaguar i-pace alongside me can't see what the others are from here uh, possibly a VW ID4 and an Audi Q7 e-tron is that what they call it I think so something like that okay one last thing about this van before I disconnect we call it the e-deliver 3 but it's sold as the EV30, the Maxus EV30, in lots of other markets. There must be a reason why they didn't want to call it that here. But E-Deliver, that makes perfect sense. It's a tremendous city and home counties van. And by that, I mean, you know, if you're doing like 150 miles a day on your local delivery circuit, this is a great van. You know, a van like this, you don't want to be charging it while you're working unless you're working in a place where you can charge it, right? You want to charge it overnight, and it wants to be earning money for you while it's out there all day. Well, at the moment, it's charging at a good rate, so even when you do have to charge, you're not losing too much money. Well done, Maxus. I'm pulling away. Listen to the sound. Space Ghost and Friends, oh, what am I doing now, I'm doing 15 miles per hour, 20 miles per hour, it's still there, I'm slowing down for a junction, let's see if it stops at 20, yeah, there it goes, vanishes just before 20, it fades, interesting, the van is showing a range of 139 miles. That was with a 91% charge. So forget what I said earlier on about the range of this vehicle being less than I was expecting. It cannot have been fully charged when I picked it up. It mostly charged, but not fully. I've now got about 91% charge, and that's given me a range of 140 miles, so it says. My confidence in this vehicle has just rocketed. Nice. Right, gotta get on with some driving. Excuse me. How about that for a change of atmosphere? Listen. That's the sound of a charger charging a car. It's a Tesla, actually. It's uh, a Model S being charged on a Tesla charger. And parked next to that Tesla charger is me and my Maxus E-Delivery 3 van. And I am plugged into a Tesla charger and I'm charging. Now, it is only a test. The battery was already 55% full when I arrived a few minutes ago and plugged it in. So it's not charging at a rapid rate, you know, it slows down. The fuller the battery, the slower the charge. And I know Tesla charges will they'll charge at, is it 150 kilowatts? Is that what they charge at? Or is it 250 kilowatts? Is that what they charge at? 
but for me at the moment it's charging at about 40 kilowatts let me just have a look because it tells me on the app and i've got a great story to tell you about the app yeah it's charging at 40 kilowatts at the moment which isn't spectacular you know 50 would be useful but it's half full so okay i've been on how long have i been? i've put 10 kilowatt hours of energy in and the stopwatch says i've been charging for 14 minutes really already gosh that seems to have whistled by you know this don't you that tesla have opened up some of their supercharging network to non-Tesla users, only selected sites. And I had a Tesla app on my phone from when I tested a Tesla back in, what was it, 2017, when I came up to Liverpool in a Tesla Model S very early on. So I thought, yeah, let me see if I can do this. But I couldn't get the charge started because, for some reason, when I set up my Tesla app, it's set up with my default home address as being somewhere in America, which is ridiculous. So when I wanted to start the charge, it said, can you update your billing address? And it wouldn't let me update the billing address. I put in my home postcode and it wouldn't recognize it. Not a valid postcode, it said. And there was no option to put in a UK postcode, just a US one, you know, a zip code. And I could see that the United States selector was greyed out. And I couldn't get out of the United States into Europe. So I called Tesla and they said, OK, we might be able to fix that. And they did their level best but couldn't fix it. We said, it's OK, we've got a workaround. Just put in an American zip code, they said. I said, what? Make one up. And the guy said, yeah, um, well, why don't you use 90210, (laughs) California 90210. So I selected the California box and put in 90210 and it came alive, bang, and I started charging. Amazing. So if you've got an electric car at the moment and you want to use the Tesla network, you have to get the Tesla app. It's free. Do that. And, you know, you could take advantage of some pretty fast charging if you've got a vehicle that will charge quickly. And I think this vehicle will charge up to 150 kilowatts. I think. I can't find a record of it. So, you know, if you really are flat and you're in a hurry, go to a Tesla supercharger. It's the future. So here I am, the only non-Tesla. There are, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Tesla chargers here. There are one, two, three, four Teslas on charge. And me and me, Maxis and what a van it is i've just spent three days bootling around liverpool bootling that's pretty good i just made a pun without realizing (laughs) bootling around liverpool in this van moving my son indy and it's been amazing it's been great what a great city van because it's not quite the same size as a transit it's a little bit smaller it's about the size of um i think it's a peugeot expert i think that's what they call it probably about the same size as a a ford galaxy or an s max and that's what this vehicle reminds me of because it's front wheel drive having driven it now fully loaded with all indie stuff three van loads by the way and it coped with all that stuff very easily around Liverpool. It's a great city vehicle because it's narrow and because it's short, it's great for turning around when you find that you've driven into a one-way street without realising. I was using a charger in Liverpool at a Lidl, an inner city Lidl in Liverpool. Charged the vehicle, came charging out, turned left and suddenly realised 
oh my gosh, all the other cars are pointing the other way. I've driven into a one-way. So I'm expecting a ticket for doing that. Completely my fault. I should have seen the signs. I didn't see the signs. I like to think I'm pretty good at paying attention, but I missed that one. Unfamiliar environment. But it was amazing around Liverpool. And it is a very good piece of technology to drive. Really genuinely impressed. Far more impressed with it than I thought I was going to be. My initial reaction about the range tempered me. Ooh, no, it hasn't got a full range. But that's because it's never been charged more than 90% this van since I've had it. And I'd love to know what its maximum range is charged at 100%. But as usual, I'm in a hurry. But now I know I can use Tesla superchargers, I think I'm probably going to do a charge on the way home so not quite the end i'll be back with a wrap-up when i drive this van back to london tomorrow and i'll tell you how that goes a few more thoughts about the van including the mystery of the hot passenger seat Listen to that. That is the sound of progress, that is. I'm at Rugby Services most of the way home from North Wales and Liverpool down to London. And that sound is the sound of a grinder slicing through curbs. Because here at Rugby Services, where I'm charging the car at the moment, they're putting in... Ooh, I don't know, another dozen charging points. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe more than that. Twenty. Uh, I don't know if they are GridServe or Tesla, which are both available here, but they're expanding the charging network. That's good. I almost used a Tesla charger. I got here. But every single Tesla charger was occupied by a Tesla, no non-Teslas. But right alongside it was a bunch of grid-serve chargers I used on the way up that work really well. So I just, ah, I'm not going to wait, I'm just going to go for it. Because I don't know if these Tesla chargers at this specific location are open to non-Tesla users. So... Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. I'll have a look at my Tesla app and it'll tell me. But what a journey. What a vehicle. What a van, really. Let me get inside where it's nice and quiet and I can talk to you without having to shout. Here we go. Yeah. The great joy of having a vehicle with the charging point at the front is you get to sit there and watch the charge because you can read the giant readout. It's at 77% now. It was, uh, oh gosh, what was it, 30%, 20% when I parked? So I'm just putting enough energy in to get me back to London. 80% should do it. It's charging at about 43 kilowatts at the moment. Never went faster than 45 when I plugged it in, but there you go. It's working. Right. I promised I would tell you the mystery of the hot seat. When I was in Liverpool with Indy, he was sitting in the passenger seat when we were moving the stuff between his flats. And he kept saying, oh, this is hot, Dad. My bum's really hot. It's just got a heated seat. And I looked around and I couldn't see any switches for a heated seat. So I figured, no, this van is fairly basic in the grand scheme of things. It's got all the essentials, but it's unlikely to have a heated seat, it being electric and all that. 
And I figured, well, that must be something to do with the charging. Is the charger underneath the seat? Would they do that? Couldn't work it out. And then I was driving along and I realised there are heated seats. There are two switches for the heated seats in the central section that separates the two front seats but the switches are down on the floor at the front and my bag which was sitting in front of that little plinth had hit one of the seat switches and turned it on Ah, now i know now i know there's an explanation for everything okay this vehicle is terrific i kid you not it's got just enough range although i've never charged it to 100 percent i reckon if you charge it to 100%, you would get definitely 160 miles out of this. Probably 170, because I think the readout on the dash is just a little bit pessimistic, which is a good thing, because it means you stop before you absolutely run out of energy. In terms of kit on board, everything works. It was easy to charge. It's got repeaters on the wing mirrors which tell you when you're indicating i finally worked out how to stream from my phone there was a slightly weird thing when i coupled it via the usb where it opened a window which said something about qd link not available these apps and stuff and it kept opening that i kept having to close it and it was covering my navigation my google maps and my phone that was slightly annoying but it did allow me to stream my music in the end. I got there, and so I've been enjoying all the home comforts on the vehicle, genuinely enjoying it. I really admire what SAIC have done entering the delivery van market. They've got other vehicles as well. They do a pickup, which I think is called the T90, I think. And I'm going to be chasing them to see if i can get hold of that at some point you know i love a pickup and a pickup is the ideal vehicle for a motor race you know if you're going camping so maybe we'll try and go to le mans next year in an electric pickup let's see how that goes i'd be very interested to see what other car manufacturers do with the electric van thing i'm guessing that Ford's new e-transits are probably very good and I'd like to give them a go but I wonder how they compare for price with this vehicle this vehicle that I'm in is 40 grand including VAT but of course you buy in a van you get your VAT back it's a business right and it's got just enough range for you to be able to do you know a 60 mile journey there and back every day and more and charge it overnight at home or at your depot so I think it works in that front. However, I think Maxus may be missing a trick. Because this platform, this vehicle when it's empty, is great fun to drive. I've been using the Eco button like the opposite of an overdrive. I leave it in Eco, but if you come out of a roundabout and there's people a bit slow in front of you, you want to get a crack on, pop the Eco button off, floor it, and bang, you fly past them. It's really lively. It's an electric vehicle. It's got loads of torque. It's empty. It's going to move this thing quickly. It also handles really well. It's a little sort of front-wheel drive giant hatchback. That's what it feels like. And it's also the most inert vehicle I've driven in a long time. And that's not a bad thing. By that, I mean, if you're on the motorway, you're rumbling down the road, 
it stays going in one direction because it doesn't have low profile wide tires so it doesn't sort of wivel around wivel is a new word wivel around it tracks straight and true that's brilliant for that it's very relaxing to drive but i think maxus are missing a trick here with this being front wheel drive and about the right size not too wide not too long it would make a great people carrier do you remember people carriers do you remember when they were fashionable we just don't have them anymore i think this would make a fantastic little family wagon and because saic have got ownership of roa and mg as brands I wouldn't bill it as an MG, perhaps not a family wagon, but a rower, R-O-W-E, you know, the Chinese version of rower, that would do. Or even a Maxus family van, that would work. Couple of complaints. I wish the seats had adjustment for height. I like to sit just a little bit higher up when I'm in a van. Also, I'm curious as to whether it will communicate with Ubtricity charging points because when i left it on charge in london as you know it didn't charge and i couldn't get it charged when i was in liverpool i put it on a unitricity converted street lamp that just wouldn't work in fact trapped my cable in i had to call them up and they had to release it remotely which they did very successfully and they were really good with that but all in all this thing is just fab i'll find out when i get home tonight if it charges with ubitricity but that's it I am really happy with this vehicle. I've enjoyed my time in the SAIC Maxus eDeliver 3. And forgive me for this appalling pun, but I've got to say, the eDeliver 3 delivers. And it's about to deliver me back home. Thanks for listening. This was Gareth Jones on Speed. I was Gareth. See you for the next show. For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Wizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!